What's good, Chiefs Kingdom? Got another victory Monday on our hands. We took care of business against the Denver Broncos at home. We're going to go ahead and review that game today. It's going to be a good one today, Chiefs Kingdom, because we also got a special treat. We're going to have our first guest appearance on the show today. So get ready for today, Chiefs Kingdom. So with that being said, welcome to the Kingdom Connect podcast. This is the Kansas City Chiefs Podcast. You're with your host and producer, Eric Vapartis, certified health and performance consultant. I hope Chiefs Kingdom is doing extremely well today. This is episode 57 of the podcast, and we're recording this episode on January 2nd, 2023, because we are in a new year. Hope you guys all had a good and safe New Year's, as I did. We were home by 1030. I am not the type of guy that likes to be out late anymore. I uh, don't know why, just... Not me. Would rather be at home. Just kind of a homebody. Um, And maybe being in the military for some years early in my early 20s probably had something to do with it. Kind of probably sucked the party life or anything like that. But anyways, um, let's get on to this episode. And like I mentioned in the uh, introduction, we're going to have a special guest. Already did the pre-recording of that of that take or that segment, I should say. Um, so that'll be at the tail end of this episode. I'll jump right into that as we end um, the actual review from the Denver Broncos game. So let's get on to that. Happy 2023, Chiefs Kingdom. Hope you guys all had an okay 2022, but on to a new year and on to new adventures. All right, so we are have officially entered January football, but this last game was held on actual New Year's Day. Um, close game. We won 27 to 24. Um, I honestly, I know I said we were going to blow them out and I thought we were, but you know, I, I just, we tend to, it's hard to explain, but you know what it is. It's divisional opponents. You play these guys twice a year and I know we want to shit on Russ and say that he's a bad quarterback. But if you look at the whole body of work, he he's still a good quarterback. He's just had a bad year that's made him look extremely bad because it's been the worst year of, of his entire career. But again, uh, apparently when we play him, he becomes Superman all of a sudden. And a lot of that has to do with turnovers because uh, apparently we just can't seem to keep turn. We, we just can't stop turning over the ball. That That is an issue that I have right now with this team is that we consistently turn over the ball. It does not matter if it's offense, special teams. We just keep turning over the ball, and that's what puts your defense in a bad position, and that's why your defense gets scored on all the time. But as far as the matchup goes in itself – um, you know, it was a good game statistically for Pat. I mean, he had a 106 QB rating, three touchdowns, one ugly interception. Again, I just, I'm tired of these ugly interceptions he's throwing, just miscommunications. Um, but he had 29, he's 29 to 42, and he went for 328. Uh, he needs about 400, I want to say, in 430 yards to beat Peyton Manning's single season uh, passing record. Don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but 
it's Mahomes. I'm never going to doubt him on any type of statistic. Uh, you know, if he were to throw, if someone were to throw eight touchdowns in one game, it would be Pat Mahomes. Uh, but again, um, game grade, I got to give the game grade out and I'm going to go ahead and give it a B just because, you know, even though we were acting crazy a little bit in the game with the turnovers and just letting them have the lead for a little bit. I had no worries. I, you know, I knew we were going to win. I knew our defense was going to come alive at the right moment and it did. So I give the game a B minus essentially. Um, and the game ball, you know, honestly, I'm going to have to give it to Chris Jones. Chris Jones was an animal that last, uh, pretty much that last drive, pretty much the second half he was. Uh, I mean, he was wreaking havoc all game, but he was really, really getting after it in that second half. I mean, especially at Russ, um, he had a sack, um, which he should have had a lot more, but the refs just don't know how to freaking blow the whistle, apparently. Um but let's start off with the offense. I don't want to jump around too much. Uh, like I said, Pat did his thing. Kelsey, wish he had a little bit more yardage, but, you know, he had about 43 passing, but he's well over 1,000 yards. He's at 1,300 right now. Uh, but this Mahomes and Jerick McKinnon connection, I, I said it, it's, it's getting deadlier and deadlier as the week goes on. Um I, I just love what we've been doing with him. He had 52 receiving. He's at 500, like 500 something receiving yards now. And I, you know, I said this uh, to a few people on the show. Uh, well, not even on the show, but I've said this few people before, um, just the general. And I even said this to um, Big Rube today is that when we had Tyreek Hill. It was him and Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey was going to get his thousand yards regardless. I mean, he had a thousand. He had well, I guess his first thousand yard season was when Tyreek was here. So, never mind. Well, Tyreek was a rookie, but um, anyways, Travis Kelsey, he's always going to get his thousand yards. That's that's no brainer. But Tyreek Hill was the second guy that hogged all the other yardage up. And then after that, you had guys like Demarcus Robinson with like 300 yards and McCole Harmon with like would maybe get, you know, 400, 500. And it, it just didn't feel like it was evenly distributed. It, it just did it. You know, it was just Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You trade Tyreek Hill away and you're left with the receivers. You get you sign Juju, you sign MVS, you bring in Justin Watson, who is been pretty much bad this last couple months of football um and you have the tight ends that you have and you you just run heavy packages all day and that's kind of how you've been you know you've been going and you have Kelsey obviously at his thousand yards Juju needs about a hundred and like five or a hundred and three to get to a thousand he could very well do it depending on how you know just how much he goes off in this next game um and then, uh, what else? Uh, and then you have Jarek McKinnon at like 500. And you have MVS who's at like 700, who's getting close to 800 and stuff like that. It's, you see in all the, you see in all the, it's evenly distributed. You have four guys, four guys, almost close to five that are well over 500 yards receiving. Now, I thought we didn't run the ball as much, and that really annoyed me. I've argued with a few individuals today about that, and I just don't understand why you think just because our run game doesn't work on a couple plays and you just need to abandon it and just say fuck it, 
I mean, you're they were acting like Pat Pat didn't have a 330 yard game and three touchdowns. You know, you still need to run the ball. That's still an essential piece of offense, and especially when you're having defenses play the way you, they've been playing you. You know how Denver's been playing this offense. You know, just like how every other team has been playing this offense. They may occasionally run a cover three on a man on man, which is like a man to zone concept, and then they'll drop right into a quarter quarter half cover six, which is what our defense has been doing a little bit lately. But they do a modified version of cover six when they go into their their nickel and dime. Um, but this cover six that um, I was gonna say this cover six that. Oh shit! That losing my train of thought. That Denver was running. They, you know, they were starting off in a cover three, and they were probably dropping in into like a cover six. Is what I was kind of seeing. Uh, the all twenty two hasn't came out yet, so when that comes out, I'm obviously going to do a deeper dive into how things were. But I'm almost assuming it was cover three and cover six. Um, Kadarius Tony had the most yards. He had seventy one, four receptions for seventy one yards. He had that one bomb, uh, which was nice because it was immediately after he had already fumbled a punt it's crazy you you see these guys that screw up on special teams you put them on offense where they actually belong and then they're they're great now granted that doesn't excuse them from special teams but it you just seem to run into that issue and I just don't understand why uh Sky Moore Sky Moore was fed a lot today and that was nice I I love the fact that they are feeding Sky Moore uh, MVS did have a couple tough catches. I mean, he was targeted seven times, but he only had set two receptions. And you know, there was a drop, a few drops. Um, but he had a couple. Uh, he did have a couple nice grabs, so that was that was good to see. But Sky Moore, even though they were on like those little uh, jet sweeps, end arounds and stuff, he's still showing who he is. I mean, he's breaking tackles. He about almost had a touchdown. He's getting close. Um, He's getting real close. And, you know, of course, Mahomes is finding the tight ends. Did feed Noah Gray. Did feed Blake Bell. Blake Bell had the touchdown, and obviously Kelsey. It, it just – the offense looks so much different now. Um, but when it comes to the run game, I think that they get into these little lulls where they just say, fuck it, we're just not going to do it. I think a little bit was they needed to stat pad Pat. I think they really wanted him to get his – 5,000 yards in, you know, 16 games, which he is. He's Mr. 5K. This is the second time with having over 5,000 yards. And with that 17th extra game, he's about to break his uh, single season record and obviously the Chiefs single season record. Um, But I, I, I just – I don't know if he's going to get Peyton's. I'm not going to hope – I mean, it'd be nice. I just don't – I'm not going to put all my money onto that. We all know that Pat can do it. I just – I don't know if he's really going to be pushing for 430 yards passing. You know, it is the Raiders. I I know that we dominated them last year two times in a row, but they are kind of different. They have been taking teams down to the wire. They took us down to the wire, even though they don't have Derek Carr anymore. I I don't even know why I'm not. I don't even know why I'm talking about them. Um, but still, uh, we Pat. I think they were trying to stat pad him a little bit and just so he can get his 5,000 in 16 games, which he was in any ways. I had no doubt in that. But that ugly interception of Je- uh, Justin Simmons, I was about to say Jeffrey Simmons, that Justin Simmons, that was not good, should not be throwing things like that. 
the screen game was working. Screen game was really nice. It worked with McKinnon, of course, and uh, you had Pacheco in a few plays too. And then they, I think they did a wide receiver screen with Sky Moore as well. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he was you know kind of invisible most of the game, but then he had a few nice catches, tough catches towards the end. He had 21 yards. Uh, it wouldn't be nice to see him to get a thousand just so we can have two a thousand yard receivers. But again, it's it's not like something that we necessity ne- not a necessity. I mean, if he has nine hundred and eighty yards, that's still a very very good productive season for you joining a new team. And that's pretty much the offense. I mean, the offense kind of had their moments of lulls, but for the most part, they they battled. Uh, for you know, they battled out. Uh, Ronald Jones got some playing time. You know, he had three, maybe, nope, he had his one rush. He had three yards. That's what he had. One rush for three yards, and they took him right out. McKinnon only had two for four. And then, excuse me, uh, Pat Mahomes had, uh, or sorry, Pat Mahomes had a few, and Isaiah Pacheco had nine for 31. So that was pretty much the offense. You know, Pat was still working the field, matriculating, doing his thing. Overall, had a good game, and that's why he is the MVP. Oh, and that crazy play where, you know, kind of Marcus Mariota, where it batted, uh, like it basically batted right back to him, and he took it for the damn near the first down. So I believe it was the first down. I think he did get a first down off of it. So that was that was pretty crazy. But no one's going to really smack Pat around. I, I mean, some guys will, but I, – and it's just with how quarterback rules are. I've seen a lot of guys let up on Pat and just let him run, and it's just it's just what it is. Not saying that guys don't try against him and he just gets free yards all the time. That's not what I'm saying. It's not free real estate, but it's yeah, there's it, it's just how the rules are with quarterbacks. All right, let's move on. Um, I Kadarius Tony really had a good game though. I really appreciated him doing what he was doing. Um, let's get on to the defense defense, uh, you know, ran a lot of cover two, cover four, that cover four was getting shredded up though. Even the cover two, they were just really shredding up that middle, uh, just with runs, not only runs, but passing our linebackers are just not good in coverage as good and athletic as Willie Gay is. The thing about Willie Gay is he has the ability to be there and he has the ability to get there. The thing about him, though, is that he. Well, sorry, my computer died, so I lost a lot of my, a lot of my information that I had up. So that's okay. I'll try to wing this uh, for the rest of the show. Uh, try to you know get uh, get through it here in the next uh, 10, 10, 15 minutes. So, um, anyways, the defense. The coverage with the linebackers, they're just not good. And what I was trying to say with Willie Gay is he's athletic and he's fast enough to get there. There's just times where you just don't know if the head is there or like just the IQ for him to get there. Because you've seen times where he just leaves his zones. And, you know, you're like, Willie, what are you doing? You're there. Or he just over-pursues and he he just outruns his zone. It's just... When he's not playing like a Tasmanian devil, he's really great. And I think the linebackers overall had a great game as far as stopping the run and tackling and just pursuing, you know, forward. But the coverage was a major liability, and Russell Wilson was exploiting that. He was finding Cortland Sutton in the middle of the field. Now, granted, 
we got we got lucky with that phantom offensive pass interference but they did they did kind of give us back with the phantom uh legal hands of the face because justin watson didn't touch anywhere near the face at all so i don't know what they were getting at with that but or not Justin Watson, Jalen Watson, I should say. Justin Watson's had a bad couple months of football. I've mentioned that with the offense. Um, but starting off the defensive line, I think that was probably the best part of the game. They were really, really pressuring Russ. They were making Russ. They were forcing Russ to, to play faster and uh, forced him into mistakes. Um, I he threw two interceptions. Well. I would have my stats up, and I believe because I believe Sneed got a pick. I'm gonna have to go look it up now on my phone, since my laptop died on me. That's what I get for not having it plugged in. Just want to make sure so I know what the defense specifically got. Okay, yeah, Sneed had one pick. Nick Bolton. <laughs> Nick Bolton would have had that second one if it wasn't for that phantom uh, legal hands to the face. Um, But it is what it is. They did what they were supposed to do for the most part. They took care of business. Um, They were really just getting after the defensive line. Dunlap, I mean, the batted passes. Chris Jones, the batted passes. Karloftis, the batted passes. Karloftis getting his sacks. I um, I said this to Big Rube on our segment. Um... It, it's kind of like Justin Houston when Justin Houston. Well, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to ruin that. You guys will listen to that when you guys get to it. I want you guys to actually listen to that segment. I can't tell you all the details of what we talked about. Um, it was a good segment, too. Not that it wasn't bad. It was a really good segment. But anyways, Carl uh, Loftus, he's coming on very, very strong. Uh, he's what? Five and a half sacks in the last six games. That's crazy. You know, if he gets another one, he'll surpass my expectation, you know, because I'm counting that half sack. You got to count half sacks. Chris Jones even said it. He even joked around and said, hey, don't don't be saying nothing about that, you know, that potential rough in the passer now. Don't be saying nothing. He's like, I know what you're trying to do. Don't do it. Um, because he really did kind of slam Russ, which – in most cases, if you got guys like Carl Sheffers, that's getting called all day. That's getting called all day with Sheffers crew. Um, but Pat has been slammed so many damn times that I just, I, I just don't, I just don't understand. So, um, and you got a lot of Bengals fans or people who are just non-Chiefs fans saying like, "Oh, well, of course they're not going to call nothing because it's the Chiefs." Okay, well then you let, but then we see Pat get slammed twenty four seven. I show them that clip of the Texans game when he got slammed and thrown in the ground and nothing was called. So I don't know what they're what they're trying to prove in their points for the most part. But the defensive line got after it. I really really liking what I'm seeing with them with the stunts. Um, they're they're just they're just they're just getting after it. Um, it, it, even Frank Clark, I mean, him stopping the run, he's probably, he's like one of the best run stuffing defensive ends. He is. I mean, that man can say what you want about him. He may not have the sack numbers. He may have had one year of double digit sacks, which earned him this contract essentially. <coughs> I also think his attitude did, which I appreciate in a lot of ways. Um, 
he is one of the best run stuffing defensive ends. And that is a genuine thing to have because what what did this defense struggle with a lot of the years against the run? We used to struggle a lot against the run. Hell, we were struggling against it in the middle of the year. But we did we did, you know, well for the most part against um against uh oh gosh they're running back i'm losing my train of thought latavius murray yeah because we only held him to 56 yards Edmonds did have 30 and Russ did have 20 but you know sometimes it's hard we don't really play well against mobile qbs even though we practice against one every day we just struggle against it you know that's it's it's weird how this defense plays they struggle against tight ends and mobile qbs the two things that they go against in practice every day, the two best, the two best in the biz, the best tight end and the best quarterback in the biz, and they just seem to struggle against those type of players. So not that anybody's the caliber of those players, but you know what I mean, the, the type. Um, But our linebackers, like I mentioned, they were playing the run. Leo Chanel's had a great month. He's had a great last month of football. It's why he's been getting a lot of playing time. With that being said, with Willie sometimes not, you know, being in certain areas with uh, coverage and how sometimes that can be a little bit of a liability, I see why they're putting Darius Harris out there, but I don't understand it. I mean, I see, I understand that didn't make any sense. I know why they're doing it. I just don't like that they're doing it. That's what I'm trying to say. They keep taking Willie Gay off the field for Darius Harris. And Darius Harris is a serviceable player. But you only play him if you absolutely need to play him. Granted, we never know. Willie Gay may need a breather. But in my opinion, I think he needs to be a three-down linebacker. Long, you know, Even though they trust Nick Bolton to be the dime linebacker on the passing downs and most of the uh, crazy sub packages and plays... Because he's he just he's just smarter, just has the IQ for it. it. You still want Willie Gay out there, especially when they're running cover five and they're big in their nickel, in their um, not their big nickel, but then their regular nickel. Because you have you have uh, Nick Bolton in the middle. You have Snead out there on like if especially if they're running four wide out. You know you have Snead, or matter of fact, they've been having. Um, They've been having what's the name play uh, McDuffie play the nickel as of lately. Hell, he was even getting some uh, dime spots. I saw it; it was crazy. Uh, even Jalen Watson got some dime spots because he's just a big bodied corner. Um, at least when they were playing, creeping up in the box, and they were standing right next to Nick Bolton. Um, but tr- lately, they've been having McDuffie play the nickel. But whoever's playing the nickel, you have them out there with the number two receiver or the number three receiver. And then you have obviously your boundary, and then you have Willie Gay on the other uh, number two on the number two receiver, and then you have it's probably because you read it right, you know, um, defense reads from left, left, left to right. Obviously, duh, having a brain fart right now. Don't even know why. Um, and so yeah, you have Willie Gay on the number two receiver. You have that boundary corner the other boundary corner which is probably Watson or Williams on that uh receiver and then on the number three receiver you have the nickel and then you on the number four 
whoever's out there, you have the other boundary corner. And then they're obviously they'll have them in their whatever techniques you need to have them. But that's like a base cover five because you're having five playing man, essentially, manning up. And you usually have your two deep safeties in Justin Reed and Thornhill or even Cook, which the safeties have been playing a lot better these last three weeks, especially Justin Reed. He's coming on very strong. It seems like he's really feeling more comfortable in this defense. And a lot of it was just really missed tackling from him. And, you know, he doesn't have flashy plays, but he's smacking guys around. Speaking of smacking around, I know you guys saw that smack from McDuffie. That was funny. He really, I mean, he speared that guy. I mean, textbook, textbook. Even with Justin Reed, that was textbook as well. But the secondary's been, you know, great. I mean, when you have young guys like that, when you have you have three rookies playing corner for you, and then you have a uh, a rookie safety. When you have those guys p- primarily playing, and it's looking like the way it's looking now, it's not as bad as you, it looks. I mean, it's what more can you ask? I mean. I just don't know. I mean, it's it's great. It's really great from what I'm seeing from these rookie DBs. Um, you know, Sneed has definitely been a great leader to them, but definitely a great uh, mentor. Thornhill and Reed have been great mentors to Cook. You've been seeing it. Cook's been laying the wood on people. They're the you know they're barely even blitzing. That's the thing. They're barely even blitzing. And that's the, they may send an extra rusher, which may be Leo Chanel when they're in their 4-3. Because when they're in their 4-3, you see Leo Chanel crashing down. And he's basically that fifth down lineman. And it's it, it's just Spags is really utilizing his players. And I am, I, I'm excited for it. I'm here for it. He's adjusted very well. He's making the right adjustments. I know that we kind of harp on some of those things. And I have harped on him a, lo- a lot of the times over this season, but he has done very well with these adjustments this uh, last, I would say this last month and a half of football. And a lot of the times where the defense has given up scores, it's pretty much been because the offense turning over the ball, the special teams turning over the ball. But in totality, I mean, I think our defense did okay for the most part. I know we were getting mad because we're letting Russ cook all over us. Um, But they they shut him they shut him down for the most part. I mean, he had the two rushing touchdowns, um, or the two pat. He did have a passing. He oh, man, they had twenty four points, so they had three touchdowns. So he had a. I'm gonna have to look this up again. I'm sorry, I didn't have. My, he had run. I knew it. He had one passing touchdown and two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, he did have three total touchdowns, but like I said, we do struggle against those mobile QBs at times, and that was pretty much kind of what he was killing us on, and it was just those middle reads that we just could not uh, get to with our linebackers. Oh, gosh. All right. Special teams. Special teams. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you know what to say about special teams anymore. It's, it's the same mistakes week in and week out. You know, Tommy messes up on a hold. And then, you know, and then a kick gets blocked. It, it's it's messing up the chemistry. I I don't even know what to even say anymore about it. It I think right now, I think a lot of that stuff is in Tommy's head with the holds. And as much as I appreciate Dustin Colquitt for what he's done, you know, for the team, I think you shouldn't have said anything. I think you put a riff in the locker room and people can fight me on that. Um, I, I'm not saying that he's not a Hall of Famer and he doesn't know what he's talking about holds. Obviously, he knows what he's talking about holds. But, dude, you, did you really need to say what you had to say? 
when the the team the special teams is already struggling. I know it's probably pissing you off. You didn't like to say, you didn't want to say it, and no one else was saying it. But now you got you got the coaches and you got the players involved. And when they have to answer those types of questions in the press conferences because of what you said, you know, Hall of Fame or not, you know, Super Bowl punt, you know, champion or you know, longtime Chiefs punter or not. You put a riff, and I'm sure that probably got to Tommy's head. And I know he's been—he's a phenomenal punter. Dude's been booming the ball, booming the ball. But the place holds that—that that got to his head, and I don't know what they're gonna do about that. They gotta fix it. They just gotta just just get rid of that outside noise. The the line need to block better. They should have never allowed that that thing to be blocked. That was on the offensive line. You have to get your hands up or at least prevent them from getting their hands up. They teach you that. And I've been saying all the saying this the entire season. The entire season. This is a Dave Toe problem because it is it's been a consistent thing and he is a special teams coordinator. He is also the assistant coach of the team. He's been great, but he's not great this year. His team sucks. It's been bad all year. It's been it's been it cost us the game. Almost cost us another game, and it it's it's gonna cost us in the playoffs. And I've been saying that all season long. So Dave Tobe, get your unit figured out. Harrison Bucker, you know, get get your ankle injury out of your head. I know it's probably still in your head in times. Tommy, get the place holds under control. You guys can do this. You guys have been doing this already for two years. I just don't understand why it's an issue now. You know, whether you whether you hold the ball, laces, this and that, Tommy, I mean, not Tommy, Harrison even said it himself. He should be able to make the field goal no matter what. I appreciate Dustin Colquitt for everything that he's done, but you just didn't need to say anything, and that's my opinion. My opinion is mine. But if this does not get fixed, it's going to screw us in the playoffs. And I've been saying that. I've been saying that for a long, long time. All right, Chiefs Kingdom. We're about to jump right into the guest appearance segment with Big Rube. Hope you guys all enjoyed this game review against the Denver Broncos. I know it looked ugly in moments, but we took care of business for the most part. Um, And we got one more game left of the season. And we've seen a finish strong, and hopefully that Cincy can take care of business against the Buffalo Bills tonight. And I guess we're all Cincy fans, as much as that sounds sickening. Um, but we want that one seed. I know Chiefs Kingdom. All right, and uh, before we get before I jump right into the segment, uh, bear with me that the the quality of sound does not sound as good as it is normally. How I've been doing on the episodes as of lately when you hear me speak just in general. Uh, it kind of sounds like how the, the show started out when I was first doing my my episodes uh, before I actually got like a legit microphone. Um, I think I had to unplug for my legit microphone and actually just, you know, do the segment through the phone. So the quality of the sound is not as great. But with that being said, it's still a great segment. You guys are going to enjoy it. I plan on I plan on doing this a little bit more. Um, my whole point of bringing on guests on the show is just to connect all of Chiefs Kingdom. I want to connect fans. I don't care about big time people like analysts, players, coaches. Those would be cool if I can get those uh, moments, but I really care about Chiefs Kingdom, about the fan base in general because I'm a fan. That's that's all this podcast is about is about connecting the fans and all of Chiefs Kingdom. 
So again, bear with me. The quality of the sound is not as great, but it's still a great segment, and I hope you guys all enjoy it, Chiefs Kingdom. Damn, son, where'd you find this? Oh, Big Rube, you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. How's it going? Good, good, bro, man. Welcome, welcome to Keaton Connect, man. Yeah, finally, man, got I'm you. glad to be here, man. I'm glad. I'm glad we finally uh, connected and got this going. I know, bro. It's been a long time. I know we've been uh, trying to get it uh, going for a while. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm gonna try to uh, just ask you some questions and stuff. You know, just get to know you a little bit. Uh, you know, I, that's my whole point of why I want to start bringing guests on the show. Is this? Trying to get to know, you know, everybody a part of Chiefs Kingdom. You know, it's nothing big or anything special. Um, I don't really – I'm not trying to aim for, like, those big-time people, you know, trying to get any big-time people on the show like players or analysts or anything like that. I basically – my whole point is I want to try to bring Chiefs Kingdom, like people that are a part of the kingdom. That's the whole point of the show is I want to connect everybody. So you're the first person on the show, and I'm extremely excited about that. Um, but you, you actually can hear me good, right? I just oh, want to make sure. Perfect. You sound perfect. Great. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that everything's good. Um, because I don't know if it's allowing me to speak through the mic or, um, I'm actually talking through my phone. mic. I have no idea which one I'm speaking <laughs> through. So we're going to figure this out when I get done doing all the editing and see how it sounds. But, you know, anyways, but bear with me a little bit. I'm a little nervous when I talk on the uh, – especially when I talk to new people. Um, so, um, yeah, we're just going to – Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, bro. So, anyways, we're going to get on with the show. Uh, just tell me a little bit about yourself. You don't have to tell me your life story or anything like that, but just kind of uh, brief uh, details about yourself. Uh, so, you know, I'll go a little bit as uh, I was born in Kansas City. Uh, I lived there for about four or five years. Uh, all my family is from there, so, you know, hence why I'm a huge Chiefs fan. Uh, I moved to St. Louis and, uh, you know, just kind of grew up there, uh, fell in love with track, went to college, uh, two different places. I went to Iowa, did a little juco. That's where I actually was a uh, All-American in triple and long jump. And then uh, went to back home to Missouri to William Woods, you know, decided to be closer to home and fell in love with a beautiful, beautiful Canadian. And I moved on up to Canada probably here about four years ago, man. So I've been up here four years. And, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy difference between living in Missouri and coming to Canada. You know, I'm coming from football country to hockey country. It's so different. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And, you know, the funny thing is I actually just really started getting into hockey this year. So just trying to understand all the Canadian names and, you know, like just, just, yeah, it's crazy, you know, that because they, they cherish that sport up there. And even in like the Northern States up here in, you know, in America, um, you know, they cherish the same thing. Like people who live in, you know, Michigan, like Detroit specifically or Chicago, people up in, you know, New York, New Jersey, a lot of them, same thing. It's so different. It's you know, we love the Chiefs kingdom. We've all been to games. We know how hard the games are and crazy it is. But going to a hockey game here is it's just as equal, I would say, especially in these big rivalry games. It's so insane to go here and watch, you know, uh, the big names come and fight and play. And, you know, here where I am, it's called the Battle of Alberta, where uh, the Flames and uh, Edmonton come up and they play. And it, it's just insane to watch. 
I bet, man. Yeah, uh, I'm actually a Tampa Bay Lightning fan. Oh, okay, okay. So that's who I kind of started cheering for. And the only reason – I know I'm kind of a bandwagon. I know they've kind of, they've been to the Stanley Cup the last three years. But um, they kind of remind me of the Chiefs in a way just because, you know, they're just, just a hot team and they're just always consistently winning all the time. They have a lot of star players. Um, they don't have, like, a guy that's like Patrick Mahomes or anything like that unless you just want to count the goaltender and Vasilevsky. But um, – yeah, no, they just kind of remind me of the Chiefs in a way, just with, like, you know, their winning culture, you know, always consistently being, you know, high in the playoffs and in the championship the last three years. But obviously I know hockey is a completely different sport. It's, you know, they have the the games and the series and stuff like that, whereas football is the single elimination. Um, but anyways, let's, you know, this is not a hockey podcast. Let's go ahead and get on with, like, you know, the football talk. Um, so. What, uh, how did you become a Chiefs fan? Like, I mean, obviously, I know you said you're from Kansas City, but what was like the one thing that really made you become like a true Chiefs fan? Hello, big room, hear me? There you go. Oh, you oh, go. good. You good? Did you, did you just <laughs> yeah, get it just, just... It timed out a little on me? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, I, I heard you though. I heard you with uh, what made me become a Chiefs fan. Yeah. Um, I definitely would say, uh, growing up in a, uh, my grandfather, he worked at a car dealership. He got me a Dante Hall jersey and, um, he instantly became my favorite chief. You know, he was a joystick on the field. He was crazy, did all the fun moves. Kind of reminded me a little bit of what Tyree Killett was doing when he was with us. So um, him and, you know, Tony Gonzalez, watching Priest Holmes growing up, it was just always so much love for Chiefs Kingdom. And, you know, just to grow up around that, that's, that's when I truly became a Chiefs fan. Awesome, awesome, yeah. No, Dante Hall was one of my favorite players growing up, and uh, I actually had a jersey of his when I was younger as well. Um, and I we went to the Chiefs or the Texans game when we played the Texans a few weeks ago, and we were in my aunt and uncle. They had like a suite, like my aunt's uh, company. She, they have like their own suite there nice. uh, since they lived out in yeah they lived out in Houston, and so they got they got tickets for us to go to the game since they're the only Chiefs fans that live there. And when we were, you know, was chilling in the suite and I just like looked over to my right and I was like, man, this guy just looks so freaking familiar. I was like, is that Dante Hall? And literally, literally it was Dante Hall. And my uncle just shouted Dante and then he turned around and he like did the X and, (laughs) you know, looked looked right at us and stuff and said, what's up? So that was pretty dope. Yeah, that's pretty sick. That, that, that's a moment right there for you. Right. Um, so, uh, who would you consider your top five Chiefs players of all time? One, that's a, that's a real tough one. I mean, it's so many of them, right? Like, you can go from, oh man, it's, that's a, that's a deep list. All right. I'll, I'll start with five, five. I'm going to go five just because I just loved him just watching him in college and then for him to come to the Chiefs it was just like a dream come true I'm gonna go Tyra Matthew for number five uh, oh versatility yes. as a safety and we loved him we really did love him when he was here he yes, was a we great did. guy 
You know, yes, we loved we him did. for who he was. So, so Ty Matthew, number five. Um, number four. Number four, I'm going to go one of my favorites. Chris Jones is one of my favorite Chiefs of all time. And, you know, everybody, we all paint this picture on Chris Jones, trade him, whatnot. We all got our different opinions. But Chris Jones did a lot for us in that Super Bowl run. And prior to that, Chris Jones is a great football player. Chiefs Kingdom does love him. The organization loves him. Stand-up player, great guy. Uh, Number three, going into number three. This is personally one of my favorite players of all time. I love him, what he brought to the Chiefs kingdom when he came. He was a flashy running back, kind of that LaDamian Thomason build. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Jamal Charles. Jamal yes. Charles is an amazing, just amazing. What he was doing at Texas was crazy. And for us to get him and Andy Reid to pair them together, they were a match made in heaven. They were amazing, too. Like, great job to those two. I love Jamal Charles. Uh, number two, Travis Kelsey. Uh, the guy is the greatest tight end of all time, um, in my personal opinion. He just brings this fiery nature to the Chiefs kingdom. Um, we all thought he was a hothead when he first came out, but a great, great addition to Chiefs Kingdom. Just climbing up the tight end R- Mount Rushmore right now. Like, he's breaking all these records. What is this, his 10th year consecutive of 1,000 yards or whatnot? He's just insane. Yes, uh, yes, he is. And last but not least, the man who's doing his thing right now, Patrick Mahomes. You know, he bought us a Super Bowl. Um, he's doing things we've never seen before, and – He's just a great guy, uh, also with the community. And he's just a very special, talented, gifted person. And what he has done on the football field is just – I've never seen anything like it. I've, it's, it's insane to watch him play football. Right, right. Um, I would say uh, my top five, and it's kind of similar. There's some similar players on the list. Obviously, my my fifth player is Jamal Charles. We, you know, Ooh, kind of spoke up a little bit about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamal Charles, man, I, I want to say the first big run I remember, it was like a kickoff return against mm-hmm. the Steelers. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, it was like it was like the – I want to say it was like the first year Todd Haley was coaching us. I, I don't think it was the – a pretty good season. I don't. I, I think we, you know, we're probably like last or third in the division. But I remember it was like a long kickoff return, and he just broke off everybody. I, I can't remember if we won the game or not, but that was the first time that I really realized, like, damn, this dude's gonna be legit for us. Oh, Unfortunately, yeah. you know, the the ACL injuries kind of, you know, got, caught up to him eventually in the long run, but you know, still holds that record with, like, the average, you know, yards per carry and stuff. What, what was it like? Oh, oh my. It was it, it was a ridiculous number. But, yeah, Jamal Charles is my top, is my uh, fifth player. Uh, my fourth player is Chris Jones. Obviously, we know about Stone Cold. You know, mm-hmm. just everything that he's been doing, you know, lately for us, like you mentioned before. And the one biggest thing that I've always appreciated from Chris Jones was his batted balls. Yeah. Um, just being able to swat, you know, that in, and knowing that you're not going to be able to get the sack, but you know, you're getting your hands up and you're essentially just, it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's getting a sack, but it's, it's an incompletion. That's what it is, you know, yeah. and you, you, pre- you prevented, 
you've prevented a play. So I, I really appreciate those. And I think a lot of it's rubbing off a lot of, on the other players with Dunlap, Carl Loftus, mm-hmm. um, even seen Willie Gay, the linebackers are getting it as well. So, yeah. Um, and then my number three is Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, you know, dude has been phenomenal. And I'm a guy who also loved Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez was the guy who actually got me to love the love the chiefs he was my first favorite player of all time mm-hmm. um and you know i appreciated everything that he did i know he went to atlanta you know did some things there kind of said oh well said the little you know oh, i appreciate being a falcon over a chief you know i know yeah. he said that and you know chiefs kingdom went a little crazy and stuff about that and that was tough to hear at the time, you know. But I, I truly believe that he loves – he loved being the chief. And I truly oh, believe that he recognizes this uh, organization as a team that, you know, he cemented his legacy for him. Hell, I mean, he's in the ring of honor. I mean, you can't take that away. His face is in the stadium and his name is in the stadium. So, But Travis Kelsey, to me, is the greatest tight end of all time for what he's done, the Super Bowl, and just, you know, just being able just to command the field the way he does, it's – it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, he transcended that position. I know a lot of people say that, oh, he's not a good blocker and stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, he's been top three in blocking for like the last four years. So I don't know where anybody gets that notion. But, you know, he doesn't get asked to block 24-7. He doesn't get asked to be an extra offensive lineman. Why would nope. you Why would you take away his greatest, his greatest attribute and that is pass catching and being able to work the field? That's what he's good at, right? Like that's that's his thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And um and I've always just appreciated Kelsey and it's it's gonna suck when he you know, when he calls it a career, but he doesn't seem like he's slowing down anytime soon and I'm here for all of it. Oh yeah. All right. My number two player is Eric Berry. Oh, um, oh man, that was a great one. Eric Berry, I I loved everything about him. Uh, the story that I heard about his draft, his draft, the stock, and how he even became a chief was uh, he had an interview with Todd Haley, and Todd Haley basically just kind of like gave him a scenario and how you know how he would you know just defend it, and he literally wrote everything that obviously they were supposed to do and then he added more things that they didn't even think of and Haley was like yep that's our guy and that's why they took Eric Berry in that draft and obviously what he did for us was amazing and then you know having a a fight through cancer and then come back through that you know and become a two-time all-pro the crazy thing is he won two all pros after the cancer and you know, it, it sucked that, you know, his body started to wear and tear on him and he didn't really get to, you know, finish his career out the way he wanted to. But for what he did do, I, I just – I can't say enough. And that's why, you know, he's my second uh, player of all time, you know, in Chiefs history. And then, obviously, number one, it's Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, you just can't go wrong with 15, Mr. 5K. Dude's been just doing it, you know, for for the last five years since he's been our starter. I mean, it's – it's crazy to think about that, you know, that he's been our starter the last five seasons, essentially. And and that's it, right? Like, it seems like he's been our starter for, like, ten years. Right, exactly. You know, and the Super Bowl win was three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to think about the things that we've accomplished, you know, obviously going to four 
hopefully five uh, hosting five AFC title games. Um, you know, he's always just at least guaranteeing us in the championship game. And that's that's the one thing I've always just appreciated from him is that he just fights and fights and fights all the way to the end, no matter what. I mean, obviously, we had that lull in the, the second half of the AFC title game last year, but we know who Patrick is and we know what he, he actually brings to this team and, you know, what he's actually going to do. Mm-hmm. And he just he just does it every week. He shows it, you know, he shows it day in and day out. And that's what he does. He's just, he's different. He's different. He's just a different type of guy. And it's just so, we're just so blessed to have him as our quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so another question I wanted to ask you and stuff, uh, what was, what, what moment or where were you at when we actually won the Super Bowl? And, you know, how did you feel in that exact moment? Oh, man, I was in my in-law's basement. We had a Super Bowl party. Um, and when Kendall Fuller caught that uh, – or, sorry, not Kendall, Kyle Fuller caught that interception at the end, you just started thinking, like – I really sat there and thought, oh, man, I wish Eric Berry could have enjoyed this. Oh, man, I wish um, – you know, all these prior retired players who who came and played so hard for us and – who deserved that taste of a championship? I even think Tony Gonzalez deserves that taste of that championship. And, you know, and they they led us to that, this way. And they we got the Mahomes and we got the we got the Tyreeks and we had the McColes. And it, it was just a very fortunate win. And it was just so amazing to, to take it all in. And, like, because we were right there the year prior. And I kept thinking, like, man, it's going to take us so much to get back here. And it didn't. And then we got there and, you know, that – that that was just a special Super Bowl, and I, I just hope we can relive that in the upcoming years. I really do. I was it was a special moment. Yes, it, it truthfully was, and I was kind of similar. I was you know hosting. I had a Super Bowl party, and literally um, when Damian Williams broke off that touchdown, mm-hmm. I it, it was almost like one of those things that like you know I knew we were coming back. You know, and I knew we had got the lead when Damon Williams actually scored, not the final touchdown, but the the passing touchdown that he had scored that they kind of had to review for a while. And when I, he scored that and we regained the lead and then we ended up getting that stop again, I was like, you know, I just it just still didn't feel like it was, you know, over, even though I kind of knew it was over. And then the moment Damon Williams scored that touchdown, I was like, we're about to win the fucking Super Bowl. That's crazy, right? Like, like I it just literally dawned on me in that part, like that moment. I was like, we're about to really win this thing. <laughs> and then you were right. Actually, originally it was Kendall Fuller. Um, he's the one who actually intercepted the pass. And when he got that, and then you know, you saw Mahomes and Andy just hugging on the sideline. It was like it was a relief. It was like, you know, that, that, you know, our fandom, our strong fandom and the suffering that we've been dealing with for the years and years and years. And then, like you said, being super close the year prior and then just getting there. And obviously for Andy Reid, you know, he's had so many opportunities to do this thing. And um, I'm just glad that we were able to, to get that, you know, that Super Bowl. And that was, that was just a big relief essentially. 
Yes, it really, it really was. It was, it was. It was just so special, man. Like I'm, I'm glad we finally got one, and I hope we get a couple more. I really do, and I think we can. Oh but, yeah. Um, oh yeah. It, it was special. It was really special Super Bowl. With with fifteen, he will always have us in in contention. I believe, as long as fifteen and Andy Reid are like together, they're always going to keep us in contention. As long as we have a, you know, somewhat of a defense that can get us a few stops a game. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty hard to deal with that 2018 defense. Yes, you know, that, and, was, that was hard. That was really hard. I mean, I mean, hell, I mean, having to score 40 points a game was not ideal. I mean, it was fun to see the stats, but. <laughs> it was like, come on, like, let's get a stop. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so. What was uh what was your early expectations for this season specifically? I mean, obviously when we traded Tyreek Hill, that was kind of a dagger in all of Chiefs Kingdom. I didn't we all didn't think that Tyreek Hill was a tradable player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it happened and, you know, all the talk, you know, went around all offseason how we were going to take a step back, we were going to lose the division. You had the Bart Scotts of the world and you know, the, the Skip Baylors and or uh, Bayless, I mean, and <laughs> All those, all those guys, you know, saying that, you know, we're not, you know, we're not going to win. You know, we're not going to do anything. Pat's going to take a step back. And the division, they spent all that money to get better. And it, it just it just didn't matter. But, you know, what was your expectations and how did you feel things were going to happen, you know, in the um, offseason? It was a tough offseason. I totally agree with you. Like, we didn't think Tyreek was tradable. Like, he's the fastest player in the NFL. No way you trade him. But it happened, and fortunately, we got a lot of draft capital, which when that first happened, and my initial thought, oh, Beach is going to either trade up or we're going to just absolutely hit it away with picks. And from me personally, my outlook on the season was, as far as the defense, it was more of a developmental part for them, so I'm not as mad at them. And as far as the offense, we were really going to see how good Patrick Mahomes was without a true number one wide receiver. And we see mm-hmm. he can do it without a true number one wide receiver. He is yes. a very special talent. He just needs somebody to – he needs consistency. That's all he needs on the offensive side. And that's what he gets out of his guys. You know, MBS, we all see these flashes of him, but he's having a career year. Um, Juju would probably be having a career year if it weren't for that concussion. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott Moore, we want to see more. We just got to see more. And uh, we don't know how far with that injury he's going to be out. But, you know, he's doing his thing. Uh, then you got these other guys all around him. And, and all that's what Veach tried to do was put all these athletes around Mahomes and let them go to work. And it looked good on offense. But as far as the defense, I do understand it is a development year. We are very young on defense. And I knew it was going to be that bad. I knew that we would give up some plays. But it is not as bad as we think it is. It we're is, fourth in sacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we're, we're, we got a decent pass rush. We got some effort there right now. Right. And Joshua Williams, you know, we all are paying them. But we got to realize he came from Division II Fayetteville State. Mm-hmm. He's still learning how to adapt to the NFL. But he has that. He has it. Now, in a couple of years, we aren't going to be saying it's either he's going to be gone or he's going to be, you know, a great pickup from Beach's, you know, last couple drafts. But – I think we're we're okay right now. I think we are in we are where we should be, and I believe that 
if we clean some small things up, we have a chance. We absolutely have a chance. So my outlook on the season is where it stands, developmental year for all our defense, offense is where it needs to be. Right, right. No, I completely agree with everything you just said. No, I, you know, I thought it was going to be different. I just knew everything was going to look different just with the type of receivers we brought in um, and how the offensive line was forming, you know, especially how we started, you know, doing things towards the, towards the end of the season last year um, and bringing in Isaiah Pacheco, drafting him mm-hmm. and, you know, bringing in bigger, taller receivers, like I mentioned. And just, you know, having to deal with not having that speed of Tyreek Hill, Hill, I knew it was going to be completely different. And we were going to have to rely, Pat was going to have to actually rely on himself. And not that he actually never did, but, you know, it's, we, you know, we can call it how it is. It's always nice when you have a safety blanket like Tyreek Hill. When you have a guy, you can just dump it off to 10, 15 yards in front of you, and he's going to take it 60, and he's going to burn everybody. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, it's always nice uh, to have. Um, but if you look at the stats and you see how all the receivers, everything is just so evenly distributed. You know, we were so top heavy with, you know, Travis getting his a thousand, which, you know, he's going to get his thousand regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he got his, you know, thousand and Tyreek Hill was getting his thousand. And then, you know, you had guys under them that were like two, three hundred yard receivers now you have Juju, who's uh, 900. You know, he can actually still get 1,000 if, you know, him and Mahomes really work this next game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right under him is MVS, who, like you said, is having a career year. And then you have McKinnon, who's got 500 receiving yards. And I've been saying this. Um, I actually tweeted this out like a week ago. McKinnon and Mahomes, that connection is, is legitimately becoming deadly. It really it's is. It's a threat. It, it really is. And, you know, I, I'm loving every bit of it. I love the, the, the extra tight ends, the 13 and, uh, 12 and 13 personnel. Um, you saw, you know, obviously Blake Bell got a touchdown yesterday. You know, he's, he's just feeding all those guys. You know, you, you, you wish you didn't see as much drops as from uh, Watson and MVS, but at least he's trying to feed guys. And that's the biggest thing. He's not just looking to one side. He's legitimately – finding the wide open guy, wide open man, and he's matriculating the field. And I think that's what we wanted to see going into this offseason, knowing that Tyreek Hill wasn't going to be here anymore. Um, and we're obviously also relying on the run game a little bit, but Checo's got well over 700 yards. He can he can easily become a thousand yard receiver in the next coming years if we you know keep working him the way we have been. And I think this offensive line is only going to get better. Yeah, Joe Tooney's out for a little bit, but hopefully we can get him back in the playoffs. Did you cut out on me again? There we go. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So, I know, I think Joe Tooney coming back, you know, after that injury, he's going to be a tough guy to get back, and he he plays very – very tough. So, you know, without him, uh, we'll see how it goes with Pacheco, but we got some guys who can fill in for him. Right. And and you were right also about the defense, you know, them being young. But, you know, what we're seeing from that young secondary, I, I, I think it's – you can't really ask, you know, any more of it. You know, it's not like 
guys are just giving up yards for days or getting beat like that. I mean, you've seen Trent McDuffie transcend since he's came back from his in- injury. He's been good playing on the outside. He's also been good playing on uh, in the nickel on the inside. You know, you've been seeing Snead follow guys around. Um, and the linebackers are flying around. And like we even said earlier, we're fourth in sacks. And Karloftis has been coming on lately. And, I, you know, I said this was probably going to be like Justin Houston because he was kind of the same way. He really didn't have a whole bunch of sacks in his rookie year the first half of the season. Then he ripped off like seven the last like five games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He, that's a very good comparison. Uh, Houston was very – very, I guess, mid that whole first half of his rookie year, and then he heated up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, Carl Loftus is really coming on strong, and uh, it helps, obviously, when you're having Chris Jones just blowing up the middle, and Frank's been playing very well as of lately, and, you know, Dunlap's been a nice addition. I, I just appreciate everything that's coming from this defensive line. I know we sometimes have our, you know, our issues where we're like, damn, why are you guys playing like this? Uh, but, you know, for the most part, I think Spagnolo, for what he's working with, it's been great. I think it, it really has. Yeah, and he, he's figuring it out. And Heck, I think uh, when all, you know, the season's over, I think you at least have three all-pros on that defense because Chris Jones will be an all-pro for sure. Nick Bowden might squeeze in there. We don't know how that goes. And I think LeJarrius Sneed has a case to be an all-pro corner, 100%. I, I really believe that, too. I, I truthfully do. I mean, just what you're, what you're asking him to do. Um, I mean, I know PFF kind of can have some, you know, weird stats and stuff, but they've had him pretty much top five in corners all year. Um, so it, it just goes to show you how well he's, you know, gotten better throughout his career since his rookie year. Because I, I think he kind of took a little bit of a lull last year, and I think a lot of that had to do with losing his brother. Um, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, he started picking things back up in the postseason, and then obviously he's been pretty strong all year. So um, can't really, you know, go wrong with Sneed out there. <laughs> oh, no. oh, not at all. Well, uh, that's pretty much uh, everything that I kind of got to ask you. Is there anything you kind of want to say before uh, I let you go? Uh, No, just thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, Big fan. Uh, This has been a blast. If you ever want to come on ours, feel free. We uh, got a recap coming here soon, so uh, come on on. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. I I really – sports talk with T. I've listened to uh, two of your guys' episodes. I am a big fan of your guys' show as well, so – I'll definitely try to uh, link in with you guys or tap in with you guys at some point. Um, it's just trying to, you know, obviously get the schedules uh, to line up and stuff. But I do appreciate you coming on the show. It was nice to have you. Uh, do you want to tell uh, Chiefs Kingdom where they can find you, like social media-wise? Uh, Chiefs Kingdom, you can find me on Twitter at Big Rube, uh, Dorsey or Ruben Dorsey too on Twitter. Uh, come follow me. I always follow people back, and I'm always giving out positivity and love and always giving love out to the Chiefs kingdom. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Big Rube, that's going to go ahead and do it. I appreciate you, guy, and until next time. Till next time. Hey, Chiefs kingdom. Hope you guys all enjoyed that guest appearance segment with Big Rube. 
I definitely enjoyed it. Again, I apologize for the quality of the sound with the segment, but it was good. I'm going to learn how to get that figured out so in the future it will sound a lot better. I know he appreciated uh, being on the show. Um, if you guys all want to be on the show, just let me know. D- send me a DM. Doesn't matter. You guys can go ahead and follow me at Big EKC. That's Big EKC, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can follow the podcast at Kingdom Connect. Uh, that's Kingdom Connect on Instagram only. Um, and then this uh, podcast, you can listen on all your audio platforms. Uh, at some point, I'll get on the YouTube scene so you guys can all see the face, even even though you guys probably already know what my face looks like if you guys get on my Twitter or Instagram, whatever. <laughs> all right, guys. I uh, hope you guys all in, uh, enjoyed this episode in totality. Um, we're going to go ahead and get that uh, game preview for the Las Vegas Raiders out here in the next coming days. They had flexed that game this Saturday, so I got to get that out here pretty soon because uh, the game is no longer Sunday anymore. Um, and I feel bad for whoever was planning on going to that game. I know that kind of screwed you up in your, your, your schedule. Hopefully you guys can kind of get that arranged if you, whoever was planning on going the game. All right, Chiefs Kingdom, hope you guys all enjoyed it. And like I always say, the connect is always real.